1: The hardest part of excluding the child is seeing the outcome um, accelerated. The outcomes that on, on the path that they're on, when you exclude them, they have nothing to do, so it's accelerated. But I think in a teacher's mind or somebody in pastoral care, you have to balance the idea of exclusion with the fact that you're looking at a whole co- cohort or a whole class and um, their destination, and if you can remove a student, let's say, that is not, that's detrimental for their progress. Because sometimes we have instances where one individual can be leading the crowd and if they're not around, then the the whole course shifts or changes. Mm.
2: It just sounds like one approach fits all. And obviously every child is different. Every child in each situation is different and every, and it's massively about obviously their outlook Mm -hmm. and the support they have at home. You are listening to the Dope Black Moms Podcast. I'm delighted to be joined by Jen Lewis, parent and CEO of Communities Empowerment Network, also known as Sen, and guest Antonelle. Thanks so much for joining me on the podcast. No problem. You're welcome. (laughs) Nice to be here. Great. Thank you for being here. So Communities Empowerment Network, and your tagline is Working for Equality and Justice in Education. Can you just tell me a little bit about what you're doing day to day and how SEND started?
3: Oh, well, uh, how did SEND start? So CN started uh, with two gentlemen, uh, Professor Gus John, who's still very much part of the organisation, um, he's, he's currently chair, and a ch- gentleman called Jerry German, who was a head teacher, he's quite well known within edu- education, within education. Um, quite uh, two quite very strong characters. Jerry sadly passed away in um, 2012, actually, but Gus is still going strong in his 70-something. I'm sure he wouldn't thank <laughs> me for mentioning that. Um, and he continues to play an active role. As I say, he's chair of trustees. Initially, it was designed as a pan-London provision, um, and it was specifically designed. Uh, it was it was wrought out of the fact that. Black boys were being excluded over and above um, any other any other group um, as a demographic, and and they they designed CEN to to address that, to address the fact that there was a systemic, something systemic happening in the system that obviously seemed to be targeting black boys. Um, maybe it should be said at this point that Jerry is a white man, um, or was a white man. Um, and yeah, that's why they started it, really. We, we started out as just being specifically about addressing that need. But of course, um, exclusion doesn't only affect the black community. And we've extended our support to children across the UK who have either been excluded or who are experiencing problems likely to lead to exclusion and academic failure. And we, offer, we also offer simultaneous support to parents and families in managing the exclusion events. Um, as well as their own relationship with the school, and also to try and empower parents to kind of replace the the need to to, to contact uh, a service like C. And it, what we're trying to do is make ourselves redundant in in that respect.
2: <laughs> well, that would be amazing. That's a great goal. That's a great goal. And Antonelle, can you tell me a little bit about your school experience? What what the whole process was like for you?
1: I went to the school that I teach in now. Mm-hmm. Um, and in regards to school, I, I was excluded um, more than my. No, I wouldn't say my fair share. I've been excluded more than a few times um, in school.
2: And those exclusions—did that? Looking back on it now, with with adult eyes, did it? Mm-hmm. Did that feel fair? Was it excessive? Was it needed? Was it a last resort?
1: Looking back, I think they were absolutely warranted. Really? Okay. Absolutely. Based on the things that I was excluded for and the behaviours that I, um, I produced towards some teachers, not all, but some teachers. Um, okay. So, yeah, I, I'm, I don't hold um, any kind of angst against the, the teachers or the systems for um, my exclusion. What I did do from the situation, though, was be able to reflect on my behaviour and post year nine... I was never excluded from school again because it, that, that change came from my desire not to be caught up into in a, in a system and to be um, what it is I wanted to be for myself rather than being influenced to do things I wasn't really supposed to be doing.
2: Okay. And now you teach at the school you were excluded at?
1: Yes, absolutely.
2: Okay. And now what's your day-to-day experience in this position?
1: Um, I have been responsible for for exclusions. Um but
2: and at that stage when, when you feel responsible,
1: mm-hmm. is it
2: a last resort? Absolutely has, has Absolutely. So everything else has been explored.
1: So we've explored before the, we get into that this stage prayer. We've explored interventions. We've explored um, mentoring and the like. but it's a last resort. And then we have to think about some of the things that we are excluding for and um, the wider implications in society for students to have an understanding that, although this is a school or in a closed environment some of these behaviors if they were to occur outside the school environment are absolutely punishable by the law
2: okay and for you it sounds like exclusion worked right so from year nine um, that never happened for you again is that fair to say
1: that didn't happen for me again and absolutely it worked um, the, the, the thing about my exclusions and, and, and my journey is um, it might not sound unique but it's having the right influences or meeting the right people um, at the time that I was going through these exclusions, and maybe seeing from a lens that wasn't focused on um, being an inner-city child, but seeing mm-hmm. from a lens of being uh, a participant in the world. Do you understand? Okay. So it's okay. you know, a wider framework, and also seeing some of my friends at the time that were being excluded and. Um, what, what do we call it now? We call it the school to prison pipeline. I think they refer to it mm. as you know, my friends were starting to disappear or starting to get sent back to, to Nigeria, Ghana, Jamaica, wherever it might be. And then saying to myself, there's a life that I want. And none of it includes any of that.
2: And that's great. You had the space and the support to be able to, to say that to yourself, to be able to think that and to and maybe even have the, what is it, gumption, desire, passion to even see that outside of the you know in the gloom doom in the trenches but now that you're in the trenches in this position Mm -hmm. is it is it a simple can you say simply do exclusions work or not or is it is that too simplistic
1: I think it's simplistic I think it works for some individuals that are able to wake up and realize that their future is at stake I also think um it does not work for some individuals again so you have to find mm. balance because sometimes we exclude or we've excluded children and then we see these very children outside of our front gates trying to get back in and then these it's these very children that are involved in antisocial behavior right so see that's, that's heartbreaking that, absolutely that, that's the hardest part of excluding the child is seeing the outcome um accelerated the outcomes that on on the path that they're on when you exclude them they have nothing to do so it's accelerated but I think in a teacher's mind or somebody in pastoral care you have to balance the idea of exclusion with the fact that you're looking at a whole cohort or a whole class and um, their destination and if you can remove a student let's say that is Not that's detrimental for their progress because sometimes we have instances where one individual can be leading the crowd, and if they're not around, then the the whole course shifts or changes. Mm.
2: It just sounds like one approach fits all, and obviously, every child is different, every child in each situation is different, and every and it's massively about obviously their outlook Mm. and the support they have at home. Is it taken case by case? Can we look at the child as a whole and see what's best for this child? Would exclusion work or or are there other options? There
1: are other options. Um, You have to look at the children individually.
2: Mm. Um, And and that's happening, do you think? Absolutely. I think
1: we try to, especially in my position, being... Uh, a, a, a gentleman that lives in inner city London, grew up in inner city London, knowing what the prospects of these children are if they get out of school for the most part, because not all of them go down that road. Um, mm. So we have to look at it case by, case by case. And I think we we think about oh exclusion is our teach schools exclude schools don't exclude for the fact that we want to exclude we exclude for the repetition of behaviour where intervention is not working. Mm. Okay, and where um in my school in particular we don't do permanent exclusion. We might get a managed move somewhere else where a new environment might have to, might be able to give you a fresh start. But it's the hope that once we've taken the, the, that's the final measure. That's the last straw. Once we've taken that measure, whether it's two days, whether it's five days, whether it's five days in the first instance, it's hoping that a period of reflection, conversations with the adults in your life, understanding that um, this exclusion is not just going to affect you, but everybody is that's involved in the situation. Now, I think from my perspective, as an educator, I look back and I think, what am I doing here? Am I harming the child more than the idea that I'm keeping the child in the school? Uh, And then you have to kind of weigh that up in yourself. You have to reflect on that. And you have to ask questions of your superiors that are in positions, that have been in positions longer than you, you know? And then think about the, the school context and where things are going for this person. What have they been doing at school up until this point? What are their progress checks like? You know, is there any hope of um, a change in direction? Can we facilitate that? And if we can't, then the final action is to say, you know what, we're going to take this measure.
2: Okay, so before you get to the stage of taking this measure, mm-hmm. for parents, mothers listening, are there, what sort of common red flags, warning signs are you seeing? What, what prevention could we be thinking about?
1: Oh, I'll give you a common one. That I see for myself. Now, teachers and parents need to be on the same page, I think. Now, what we'll have, if we'll call a a child's parent and we say, you know what, mum or dad, X has happened, okay? Um, And the child is responsible or was involved. The rebuttal is, no, not my child.
2: Okay. So straight away, there's defence, ego. There's
1: defence. And That happens possibly in the earlier years, there's defence. And then it comes to a situation where I've called you as the teacher to say this has happened. You've said no. And then a few, like a year later, you're calling me to say, sir, help.
0: Mm -hmm. I've already
1: said to you, listen, there's a problem. And if we don't work together to solve this problem, it's going to turn into an issue. But rather than facing it, they defend it sometimes
2: okay now i'm just saying this i know this is super luxurious and there may not be space but for for that conversation when you're calling the parent and i'm a parent of two you Mm -hmm. you get these calls and you're already slightly freaked out Mm -hmm. if you know if you're getting called in the day you're at work you've got to take the call um Mm -hmm. is there is there training for those calls are are, are there ways that we can put it across so that the parent could be in a space to be able to receive it or is that just ridiculously luxurious
1: and I think that's luxor- luxurious but what okay. I will say is um parents for the p- most part know their children better than the school do and know exactly yeah. what it is students are capable of doing or not doing so when the phone call comes you have to wait up could you possibly have done what you're being accused of yep. yeah rather than offering a defense we should be able to work together to make sure the solution is something that's beneficial for both um, the key part of that though is as a head of year, I try my very, very best to develop key relationships with my key students' parents. Got right? you. Okay. And once you're able to do that, we're able to have a conversation and be compassionate.
2: Yes, and you've got empathy and you've got a relationship Absolutely. there. So there's space to have that conversation. So Jen, when are families and parents Coming to you at what at what stage in the process do does CEN come into this? Can I can I just first
3: respond to something that Antonelle's just said because I think it's quite pertinent that we at CEN we do um, have a parent we we also have a parent coordinator who runs our our parents included program service and one of the things that we are really keen on doing is empowering parents and what one of the things we say is before there's a problem at school, make um ident- be able to identify who is the key person in your in your child's year, whether that's the head of year, sometimes it's the form tutor, it could be somebody else. But make sure that you have an identifiable person with whom you've formed an attachment to kind of be able to say, if there's a problem, I go to that person at the school. So that that's okay. to sort of mitigate against when there's a problem that you're already on the back foot because you've got Mr. So-and-so calling you and you're not even sure who he, who he is.
2: Yeah. And and what about for parents? And what about single parents or uh, time poor parents who are just like, I just don't have time. I'm doing my best. I can't make every parent's evening. I don't know every teacher by name. I am just surviving out here.
1: Can I jump in, Jim? Yeah,
2: yeah. <laughs> I'm yeah. just playing devil's advocate. I understand yeah, that um, these, you know, I'm just wondering.
1: Yeah, I get, I'm, I'm with you. How do we do it all? We try to understand we know that parents have to work, and this is mm. something that we ex- express, like, or impress upon the students. Your parents have things to do, they don't really want to have the time to take time out of the day to come to school when they should be working to make sure you have a roof over your head and eat. Okay, um, but in saying that. There has to be time for a conversation. There's not. A, there shouldn't be a situation where you cannot have a conversation with not with every single teacher in the school, but with at least the head of the year, so you understand the the side of the page that you're on. You know. Okay. And so, so the key the key people. So. What we
2: definitely want is a relationship with your child's teacher and the head teacher. Is, would that be fair to say? The head of
1: year, the head of year, the, the most important person to your child at the school, uh, that's the link between um, whatever a sanction might be is the child, the, te- the head of year and the parent, the head of year and the parent.
2: Okay. Okay. So Jen, so you were saying when parents or families come coming to, to contact with you and your organization? So unfortunately,
3: parents usually find us lastminute. dot com, and very often mm. the day before the exclusion hearing or you oh, know a few days before. Or and they're probably coming to the... you in
2: all states, I assume. Exactly. Like even on yeah, the day, Very
3: often, very often, one out of every seven parents who contacts us, we have to coach them through the conversation. And my first, my first, the first thing I say is, particularly when they're so hysterical that they can't, they, they can hardly speak. I say, you know what I want, want you to do? Go off, have a cup of tea or whatever it is you want, need to have. And have, a, take good a,
2: have mm. a good cry. Have a
3: good cry. I'm going to call you back in an hour or two or mm. whenever. Um, mm. Whatever they say. This stage,
2: okay. you, you, you must not be able to think. Like or, what, what we just talked about, with everything that parents have got going on, your work, your overactive mind about worry for your kids, to add this onto this, to add a potential exclusion, to have conversations that you don't want to have or don't understand, and how you got here, and then you're like running around trying to find support you found come to you the day before. They must be in a wild mental state.
3: Absolutely, and and I think also, I mean, what Antonell says, I'm not withstanding what he says. I'm, I'm sure that that's the case. Very often, the first time a parent is aware of the fact that a child has a litany of behavioural issues, um, as long as your arm, is when they've been called to, to to say take your child home. They've been excluded at the meeting. They're then presented with this with this whole back backstory. There are reasons for that, and sometimes the it's a series of. Minor, petty things that the, that the school hasn't thought to tell the parent, but have all been—they've all created towards this final thing, which has produced an exclusion. So, my my, what we say is that the parents included program is actually—it's called the parents not included program—and the not is crossed out for visual effect, because what we recognise is that parents are often not included in conversations about their children and, mm. and the, the, well, then they are the ones
2: first... going to be on the on the defense when you when you're in these situations exactly your back's going to be up isn't it
3: and often the first time that they are included is when they're being told take your child out uh, i'm not yeah. saying that this happens in every school but all t- it happens mm. in all too many schools
0: who mm.
3: don't have the kind of um empathic or, or nurturing kind of uh, don't provide that nurturing uh they don't have the nurturing provision, and you know we've we've also been told that quite recently. I was told that one head teacher in a school I won't name has got a hit list of children on his on his pin board in his in his office, and is picking them off one by one throughout the term. See that, H- that makes th- you th- feel th- sick. That they've already that they've already decided that that some that that you know we don't want these children in, so we're looking for reasons to exclude them. So every mm. time there's an issue with that child. Make sure you keep a record of it, and I've had—I I know that myself, because in the, my situation, I'm poacher turned game gamekeeper. I was in behaviour management in a school before I—I I, I got this job, and mm. we—and—and and what I would see, you know, children would be eyeballs. It's like, mm, you know, they're they're a bit difficult. Let's see how we're going to manage them. And so that does happen. I'm not going to let's not pretend it doesn't. Um, and 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 perhaps perhaps. Um there's, there's good reasons, if not excuses for that. Um, there are some children who are very hard to manage. However, my contention is, and CEN's contention, is that as a parent, I have to send my child to some form of formal education. I don't get a choice as to whether or not to do that. If I take the child out to go on holiday, or if I take them out because I want to give them a day off and spend the day and go to Westfield... I have to, I have to um, pay the consequences for that or, you know, uh, fight, provide a reason for that. Um, and that's all at my behest, isn't it? I, I want to take my child on holiday. Um, it might be for very good reasons, like, you know, we need some family bonding time, whatever, whatever, whatever. However, I can send my child to school, they can do something wrong and immediately get sent home. There's no provision for them at home. I can't possibly no. take the time off, off work in order to look after that child, so I'm I'm left in to, I'm in a position where I might have to leave that child at home for five days while they're excluded, and they will get up and, and they may get up to all sorts of things. If and if I was found to leave a child at home, I could be prosecuted if they're under a certain age. Do you see what I mean? It doesn't. Yeah. The balance it, on on balance, it's not a it's not a fair process. I'm not saying and and I well what we are saying is we do appreciate that they're. There needs to be sanctions in response to s- certain behaviours. Um, but number one, we feel we feel that sometimes some behaviours can be looked into, and behaviour is, is is about communication, and it's also a, a symptom and not always a cause. So
2: mm.
3: perhaps let's look at what what's causing this behaviour rather than just uh-huh. one size fits all exclusion. And secondly, uh-huh. does exclusion work? Who and who does it work for? And, uh, uh, Antonelle, I hear what you say about it gives some breathing space to, to be able to teach the other 29 kids in the class, or um, it, it makes other children aware of the fact that there is a consequence to that behaviour, so don't you try it. But we're thinking about the one, the one who's been excluded. And we've had, sadly, I forget his name, and probably, probably it's right that I don't remember his his name. There was a child in Walton Forest about two years ago who... Um, got caught up in into county county lines but exclusion offered him a perfect opportunity to 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 continue with that and and sadly he died while he was excluded from school
0: yeah that's horrific ready to pop the question the jewelers at blue have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments
1: Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.
2: What all the common reasons that are coming up for children being excluded?
1: Are you talking about permanent exclusion?
2: I'm talking about permanent exclusion. Yeah.
1: Okay. Um, I'll let Jen go in regards to that. We haven't. We don't permanently exclude any students from our school. Um, so I don't have too much knowledge on permanent exclusions, Jen. I mean. Um, okay. So what yeah. will be the
2: longest that children will be excluded from from your school?
1: The longest that I've been involved in exclusion for maybe mm, what was it. Um, five days and then if it's extended by another five days so five days in the first instance that might be to do with something that involves um let's say something to do with a knife or something sexual do you understand okay okay
2: okay and then after just just in that incident after that if it's been extended can it be extended again
1: um, it depends on the the conversations with parents and um, the extent of of the issue that we have. Um, why has the individual got a knife? You know, um, okay. what's the backstory. If it's to do with something sexual, that's at that school, that the police are going to deal with. You know, as you know, they have to be removed from the school altogether while yeah. the police investigate. So that's the standpoint that we normally come from.
2: Okay. And Jen, what sort of reasons? Well, first of all, what's the most, like, absurd reason that you've heard okay, for a child so being The nice most absurd
3: reason, again, recent cases, um, we had a case where a child was running in a corridor, which he shouldn't have been doing, running in a corridor, and this was an A student. Mm, um,
2: but we've all done that. The corner... we? Sorry? We've all done that, haven't yeah, we? Exactly. Had a little run. <laughs>
3: um, as he rounded the corner, he bumped into a teacher and knocked her over, she, he helped her up. He apologized profusely. He said, "I'm really sorry, Miss. it was an accident." It got referred to the head teacher.
2: The head teacher permanently
3: excluded him.
2: It's just shocking to me. So the head teacher, there has to be a backstory there. There has to be something more going on that. that if, if the child apologized and the teacher is' okay, it's been taken up to the head teacher.: The head teacher
3: also agreed that it was uh, an accident. So right. it was a
2: completely,
3: you know, it was a, it was a, it was, it was completely off the top of his head. Um, I didn't, mm-hmm. I, I, I'm, I don't, ad, I'm not an advocate. Um, so I, I, I take the cases initially. I'm, some, I'm sometimes involved in when the case comes in. It then goes off into to to an advocate, and I then hear about it at the end of a case that the advocate might give me a call and, and I see the the case study. So I'm 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 not kept abreast of all the nuances within the case. I can't answer the question as to what the backstory was. We got the child back into school, I'm happy to say. That's good.
2: That's um, right.
1: Go on, Antonelle. If, if I can say, as a teacher and educator, um, pardon me. Does but that, that sound
2: absurd to you, though? That sounds That's absurd, right? Stupid.
1: Right. right. Yeah. Okay. Completely absurd. Me. Absolutely absurd. Because, look, there was no vicious or violent intent whatsoever. The child was running in the corridor that he shouldn't be running in obviously it's not to over. it doesn't warrant anything stronger than a friday detention for an hour if i'm honest with you
2: mm. just what that can do to that child's confidence and their outlook on life
3: that's what's so arbitrary because one school will do something or one one um there'll be one course of action perhaps for one child and a different course for a different child or or as you say one school as i say one school might do one thing where an, another school might do something different and i think that's that's not painting a great picture. One of the most common reasons for exclusion, not permanent, but one of the com- most common reasons for exclusion, sometimes permanent exclusion, is persistent disruptive behaviour. We see that a lot. It's a it's mm. just a, a common tagline on a persistent disruptive behaviour can cover a multitude of sins. But it's I was just also about so- to
2: say, but that still feels something, quite vague, doesn't
3: it? But it's also something that comes up quite a lot when a child has ADHD or um, is 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 on is, is on the spectrum somewhere is on either the ASD spectrum or is ADHD, and I think that a lot of those children, because the CAMS threshold is now so high, so a lot of them don't actually get a diagnosis and they're not sent for an assessment. A lot of children, a lot of children are falling between the stalls because they're not being it's not being noted that they have an issue. Parents will sometimes complain and say, he's got an undiagnosed issue and I cannot get, for the life of me, I can't get a diagnosis. And let's face it, we all know what the health service has been through over the last two years. Um, So it can actually be very, very difficult. And you know, you know, we started off this conversation saying very often a parent is the one who knows the child very well and they know that there's Mm. something wrong, but they can't get a diagnosis and because... And you don't have a diagnosis? Well, we're not taking it seriously, even though um, the, the, the there is a statute in law that says that even if it's yeah. undiagnosed, it should be recognised.
2: So, Jenna, at one point early in the conversation, you were talking about how CEN, and how SEN is looking to empower parents. Mm-hmm. How can we do this? What sort of questions should we be asking? What sort of support should we be... What sort of questions should we ask the institution, and what should we be doing at home as prevention? Very often,
3: it's it's often about your own your own experience at school. Very the school is like a, psychologically can be, you know, a, 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 our nemesis if we didn't have a very good experience at school. And I think Antonelle is a great example of of turning that around, but. If you didn't have a very good experience at school, then every time you come up to those school gates, that's the memory that you come up against the school uh, to, to, to the school gates with. If you think about how schools are populated, very often, top down, it's light and then it gets darker. The, the janitorial staff mm-hmm. are often all dark-skinned people and the, the school leadership team is not. G- generally speaking, I'm not, you know, I, I think, I think I'm right in about, I don't know what the percentage would be, but in a lot of schools, that's the way it is in the UK, perhaps not less so in London, but still, still, um, there's still a, a, the school leadership or, or the school teaching staff doesn't always reflect the school. And certainly in terms of leadership, that's often the case. I, I, I might be terribly wrong, but it's, it's, it's my, that's my experience. Um, so when you are faced with that, if you think on a psychological basis, a, a parent who perhaps English is their second language, or perhaps English just isn't their strong suit, who's coming up against a system and um, which is replicated in life, my bosses, the school, everybody who I am beneath, has different skin color to me and speaks in a way in which I can't, I can't match their language. So very often. And then, and then I've been called to the school. I haven't been called because my daughter is, is, um, doing so well in biology that her her teachers calling to tell me I've been mm-hmm. called in because there's a problem. So you're already on the back. There's all, there's all these barriers already before you even get to the meet the school meeting. So what we try and say to parents is to a inc- increase confidence and also empower them to say to to understand the their responsibilities as far as the school uh, their responsibilities towards the school and the school's responsibility to them. Reminding mm. parents that the school is a is a community service you pay for it, so mm. treat it as such. And it should also treat you as a service user. And I think mm. what's happened is the dynamics as such and have always been, um, or in in terms of. The history of education, how education came about, and and the history of our our, our interaction with education, they've always been better than us. We taught we tug our forelock to the teachers. I was brought up, in, I come from a community in which I was told, you know, whatever the teacher says, the teacher's right. So where you come from, that kind of background, that's that that stays in your DNA to a certain degree, and we've got mm-hmm. to kind of get over it and say, well, actually. Um, you know, just as I've said, the, the the school is a service. We're a service user. I have my child has, has got a right to be here. And if you go in with that attitude, there's a lot lot of other things beside. If you go in with that attitude to not necessarily to challenge the school, but you are your child's first advocate. So yeah, you go in a shift of a, power definitely. Exactly, yeah. exactly. And I think yeah. it's it's really about changing the dynamics of how a parent approaches the school, and also to, of how. Often, um, leadership uh, staff speak to parents, and I've got lots mm-hmm. of examples of, of, of. You know, we have lots of examples where people are treated in a very shoddy way, and mm-hmm. again, there's a there's sometimes a superior. Sorry, Antonelle, but there is sometimes a superiority about um, school staff mentality. I've seen it. Uh, I've seen it up close. I've worked. I've worked in in that environment, and it's very interesting to. Uh, when people assume a certain deference, uh, you, I, I think it's very interesting for, for for children when their parent turns up at school and suddenly you, a, a parent who you've got a lot of respect for is suddenly deferring to Miss So-and-so who, you know, everyone talks about. You know, it's a very interesting thing that happens, very interesting shift. dynamic. And mm-hmm. I think parents and schools sh- need to understand that parents should be playing an equal Part in their child's education. All adults in a child's life should be, want the same thing. And when the child does well, it's a reflection on me as a parent, you know. And it's also a reflection on the school. Everybody's taking credit when a child does well. Um, and and understanding that your that all of the adults, all of, all of, all of the adults in a child's life have a have a role to play, and need to be working together. Because let's face it, children. Do go off the boil at, you know at certain, some, some at a certain age when they're more enthralled to their to their peers than they are to the, to the adult voice in their life and surely yeah. it's, 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 for, it's, it's to the benefit of society to yes make take sure it seriously they, to yeah. make sure that they stay on course
2: and Antonelle, for you, how can we empower our children?
1: How can we empower the children yeah. in relation to exclusion?
2: Well, we've just talked about how we can come in as parents mm-hmm. and we can change that dynamic. We can come in with a slightly different focus. We can we can think about it in a different way from how maybe we were brought up and how our parents were brought up. But mm-hmm. coming from this from a, a child's point of view, how can how can they tackle it they I mean you see your friends getting excluded mm-hmm. that could do that could do a few different things to certain personalities that could stick with somebody and deter them or that could um could send you the other way couldn't it so yeah, of any any advice on from being in the trenches and, and your kind of history mm-hmm. anything that you could say to any young voices I think
1: it's it's, it's, I don't know it's it's catch 22 really it's just like making sure your children are equipped with um I think sometimes the the know how to navigate their their way around the school in terms of vocabulary how to deal with situations I think that Mm -hmm. helps a Mm -hmm. great deal sometimes um in an exchange with a teacher a student doesn't know when it's time to um use the correct type of language when it's time to recognise that they've done something wrong within the whole equation. Sometimes it doesn't have to escalate to the point where an exclusion is happening. But I don't think children are given enough um, tools to be able... Credit? Not credit, but tools to be able to speak clearly and express themselves without coming across as somebody that's being um, negative.
2: Right. And this is coming from the parents or the the empathy and belief and that we can instill in our children to be able to
1: i think it's, it's yeah it coming from parents in terms of instilling them how or how they should approach situations but also coming from teachers in terms of understanding what the implications of the situation might be if, if a child is, is being excluded if we're going to go down the empathy road
2: right and that is just time i mean Again, from Jen, your background, and Snell, your background, is this? Are we putting too much pressure on teachers to be able to balance all of this, or is this just part of the job?
3: From a personal and from a service perspective, I think I think there is a there is sometimes an abdication of responsibility when it comes to parents, mm-hmm. um, and I say that as a parent, I do think that um schools have had to expand to be all sorts of things including social services and it's not it's not the school's role i think they can play a part but it's not the school school's role so having having sounded as if i i'm i'm um relegating schools earlier on and and criticizing them i also see from the perspective of of as i say from a both having worked in a school but also having worked in this service and as a parent, there are some things that the school is not responsible for. And I think you have mm-hmm. to kind of... Parents have to own their responsibility. Not I understand, having said that, that some, sometimes it's really difficult. We're living in a... It's more than a two-tier society. We're living in, at the moment, in under all, all kinds of... I'm not talking about COVID so much here, but there's so many you've got you've got children on free school meals who've got the latest iphone it just doesn't it's incongruous it's incongruent it doesn't make sense that there are that 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 you know you've got certain poverty indicators but they've got the latest trainers and whatever and i think that we're, unfortunately we are a, we're, we're very much a commodified society and we're very much a um you know buyers and sellers it's all about what you have and, and, and the latest thing and parents are locked into that as well because they, they, they can't allow their children to be seen without the latest thing yet um, yep. yet those same children are often lacking in the most basic that they might have the latest iPhone and the latest trainers but they're lacking in the most basic in terms of manners what we used to call home home home, home learning.
1: You
2: know,
1: brought One up okay. Yep, I, I tend to agree with that actually. I think it's, it's something that we all have to do together. And I think sometimes we have to think about everybody involved. Now, sometimes a child is walking into a classroom, right, and has no regard for the teacher that's in front of them at all because some children are walking to that classroom and will literally look at teacher and say things like, "I, I make more money than you do."
0: Yeah,
1: and, and, mm-hmm. and that's a fact. So mm-hmm. how do you reverse that dynamic where this child has totally decided I, there's nothing that you can tell me or teach me that's going to make me any better at this point because I know exactly what's out there. How, how do you keep that child in a school, in an environment where you're trying to educate the masses and also um, challenging a teacher in a way or some teachers in a way that they might not be able to to balance or be comfortable with responding to? Because that child's intention is to ridicule that teacher. And like, you are nothing, you know? And that happens in school sometimes.
2: Mm. So, Jen, for any parents listening who may be worried about their child, maybe are feeling that they are just about to start this exclusion journey, what would you like to say to them?
3: Contact CEN and and join up our, our PIP program and, and become empowered and understand that I think another thing about again culturally from from my own upbringing is there are a lot of parents who have been raised don't tell people your business don't you know don't don't tell people yep. what's going on unfortunately that can be to 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 our detriment sometimes when um, knowledge is power and numbers uh, you know acting in acting acting in concert with others and as a group is actually a really makes a very much more powerful statement and and getting knowledge you know there's so much to learn i'm of an of a stage in my life i don't know whether it's an age but i'm definitely of a stage where i don't really want to learn anything new i'll bring my daughter up and say can you please help me set up my phone blah blah blah. there's a lot of stuff that parents have got to be au fait with. And then there's a lot of new new things in school that they've also got to be okay with, and and it's hard, particularly if you've got maybe three different children at three different schools at three different stage, stages—primary, secondary, and college. It's a lot to get your head around. However, it is our responsibility. It is our, they are our children. They will always be our children. They may no longer be children, but they will always be our children, and it is incumbent on us as parents and again my own uh, you know i'm ceo of a of a company and it's a very nice title but you know the only thing that gives me any authority to speak to other parents is the fact that i'm a parent it doesn't give me authority over them but i i own that responsibility quite very 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 much I, i take it very seriously i have no you know when i speak stand and speak in front of parents i speak to them as a parent and i've walked the walk and yet i'm very fortunate that i didn't have a child who who was excluded from school but it is my daughter's experience at school that caused me to be in 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 education because of an experience that she had at school that made me very aware that i needed to get more involved
2: yeah and and now as a young black child who was excluded Mm -hmm. is there anything you want to say to parents anything you can speak to that you would have loved to have heard anything that would have helped you
1: i think we know we're always talking about um it's it's that that child having support you know and having people to turn to that have experience and helping them to navigate waters sometimes that they don't understand um and sometimes that doesn't happen within your family, but you need to identify somebody that's going to be able to give that child an extra push, somebody that they can develop a relationship with, whether, whether it's not to do with school initially, but that's going to support them overall to make sure that their experience at school improves. So like, as Jen said, we, we don't talk. And sometimes you have to have a space where you're open to sharing the struggles that you go through. And, and maybe then we can discover what the things are that might kind of help you to change course.
2: That's really nice. That would be nice just in life, wouldn't it? Yeah, we need that. We need, that. <laughs> we need a
3: plaque, Antonelle. <laughs> that needs to be a
2: <laughs> Well, thank you both. Thank you so much for coming and sharing your stories, sharing your experiences, sharing your thoughts. Jen, where can we find out more about Communities Empowerment Network and everything that you're doing there?
3: We'll make sure that you've got um, all of our, our social media, uh, our comms. Our comms links and also, um, we'll make be in fact I've already uh, mentioned to my team that to make sure that you're invited to the next pick forum so that you can advertise uh, on your forums. So Absolutely, that any parent can attend. Um, and we're we're, we're about to start having borough specific ones. So, a Waltham Forest parent forum, um, a and one in I spoke to um Kensington and Chelsea today, as well. So we're about to start targeting them at, 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 at specific areas in order that all of pa- all parents can come not just those who we come across
2: amazing i will put all of those links in so that everybody can see thank you so much i really appreciate you spending uh time with us and sharing everything that you have to offer so thank you you're very welcome thank you for inviting
3: you're
1: welcome. us you're welcome Dope, black mom's
2: If you'd like to join the Dope Black Mums private Facebook group, please search Dope Black Mums on Facebook. Don't forget to rate, review and subscribe. Please follow on all socials at Dope Black Mums. Thanks so much for listening.
0: Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time.